0: You are listening to the FDNY Pro Podcast, featuring members of the New York City Fire Department. We want to share stories from the field, best practices, lessons learned, and help save lives.
1: Welcome to the FDNY Pro Podcast. I'm your host, Chief of Staff Elizabeth Cassio, and today I'll be speaking with Rescue Paramedics Silvana Uscariki and Krista O'Day. Welcome. Thank Hi. Thank you. Welcome. Great good to be here. To have, thank you. It's great to have you here. Yes. Uh, today, we're going to talk about how you got into the rescue paramedic program and what it's like. And, Silvana, we're going to start with you because you were on the ground floor. You started from the very beginning, right?
2: Yes, I did.
1: When did you start on the job?
2: December 1992. December 1992.
1: And I think I saw on Facebook you just completed your 25th anniversary, Correct. right? Happy anniversary. Thank you. So that means you also started on the job before the merger. Yes. And for our listeners who are unfamiliar with that whole scenario of the merger, if you go to fdmypro.org and subscribe to our magazine, you'll see we have in the anniversary issue, a feature article that explains what the merger was about, how it came to be, because there's a whole history there that we won't even go into further than this today, other than to say that you wore green and white, and that's what everybody hears us say, right? You wore the green and white uniform, then went into the blue uniform. And then how long after the merger, after 96, does the rescue paramedic program begin?
2: First class, it was September 2006, and it was just a couple of weeks. We have like some kind of a skeleton program, mm-hmm. I would call it that, in 2004. If you were in a zebra unit, they offered you the job. I see. You had an interview with Dr. Gonzalez, and everybody got trained. Okay. There was no testing, no evaluations. You did the skill, yeah, it's fine, fine. You passed, you know it.
1: For our listeners who don't know, the zebra units is a radio designation for the paramedics who have hazardous materials training, level A, right? Level A suits. And so now that level of hazmat training, those paramedics get transitioned into the early program that eventually becomes what's now the rescue paramedic program.
2: Correct. It was a requirement to have this training in order for you to become rescue. And so
1: eventually we transitioned into how we know the program to be today. Before we get to Krista's experience, your experience includes teaching now, right? Correct. Rescue paramedics? Yes. So, Krista, why don't you tell us what was involved in the screening process?
3: Okay, well, it is definitely much different. I graduated in November of 2017.
1: First, you had to sit
3: for an exam, which is pretty much similar, I would say, to a REMAC exam. On protocols, operations, GOP, appendix, you know, BLS. ALS
2: protocols, you have to have a certain grade. It has to you be, do. Yeah. Um, you could get an 80, but if you have it's a bad a, evaluation, mm-hmm. that right. 80 and your bad evaluation, you're out. You're out,
3: right. And also, you have to get recommendations from your captain, right. uh, the chief of your division. So once you get past that, then they'll call you, and they say, okay, you made it past round one. <laughs>
1: oh, round one.
3: Then comes round two, which is a face-to-face interview and skills Scenario: There is a doctor, uh, doctor lie. Correct. So
1: that's pretty stressful, right? So it's, yes, it's an oral <laughs> yes. scenario where you have to describe what's wrong with the patient and what yes. you're going to do about it.
3: Exactly, and this is in front of Chief Miano, who is the chief, who's in charge. Yes. <laughs> Captain Flynn, uh, the who's list. also in charge, <laughs> who's also in charge.
1: So, so it's basically it's this panel yes. of people in charge who are going to evaluate your ability to handle yourself in this oral scenario. Yes. Right?
3: Yes. Okay, So you come in and you do this job, you know, a mock job right. where you have a mannequin, a patient on the floor and they'll, they tell you and you have to treat the patient. Right. And then after you're done treating the patient, you have to speak with Dr. Lai. Well, you give her sort of as if you're giving a report to your ER doc. And after that, then you sit alone with Dr. Lai and have pretty much an oral REMAC where she now tests you on protocol. And for me, it was pediatric seizures. So we had to go through the whole scenario orally and tell her how to, how I would treat the patient. And then after that, the interview becomes more of a standard interview process. What are your hobbies? You know, what do you, how long have you been on the job? You know, they look at your resume and stuff. And,
1: and how long have you been on the job? I will
3: be starting my 14th year in May. Cool. So. Okay. You're yeah. in double digits? Yes, I'm in double digits. <laughs> <laughs> I graduated to double digits. You're yep. over the hump
1: and you're I'm ready for the I'm over the hump, hump. <laughs> yep,
3: exactly, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So this was definitely quite an experience. I had the most seniority in this class of rescue medics, mm. and I believe I was also the oldest as well. <laughs> so physically, I'm like, I could make it, I could keep up. But it was challenging, no doubt. Every day there was an exam, and if you fail... Three exams, quizzes, you're out you're out of the program, you know, so the standard is,
1: Pretty high. is very high. Okay. Yeah, so. So it's quite the accomplishment. Congratulations. Thank you. The other claim to fame for your training is that your class had the highest ratio of females yes. in the program. Yes. Right, the student population of medics training to be rescue medics, the majority were women for the first time ever. Yes. I would imagine you're really proud to be part of that. Absolutely, right?
3: absolutely. Well, on our first day, Silvana was there. What did I tell you? Yeah. About? Silvana pulled us aside, a few of us, the, you know, the women there, and she said, "You could do this. Do not, do not give up. Push hard and get it done. You know,
2: prove yourself." You have to shine. Remember, yes. I said that. Yeah. You have to
3: shine. And I was like, I and I told Sylvana, because I looked. I said, "I am going to make you proud." Yes, you did. You said that. I said, I'm going to make you proud. I'm not going to let you down. I will not. You know, and I didn't every time and even every day. (laughs) (laughs) Dragging. (laughs) Ten hours. Dragging. You feel like your legs are going to fall off, you know? You just keep on keeping on. Because, you know, everybody's looking at you. You know, everybody is looking at you. And as a woman, as we all know here, you have to step up your game. You have to. You have to prove yourself right. To say, I could do this too. Okay, I need to lift this? All right, let's lift it. All right. You might not think I'm strong, but they used to say when I first started the job, oh, Krista, she could lift the house.
2: <laughs> you go. That's what you, you know? want to, that's a reputation you want to have. Yes,
3: and keep, and <laughs> right. keep, and thank right. God, keep. still kicking, right? You know, years 14 years later, still right. hanging on and being the oldest in that class, right. you know, with 25-year-olds. There were a few other women who were around my age, though, close to me as well, who, really prove themselves as well like you know you just look around and when you're in it I mean but this is our job you know when you're in it there's no turning back yeah. when you're in it you can't just say Oh uh, well, I give up I, give up. <laughs> I, I need to go this you're making is, a career I out can't of this. do this you know you have to there's only one way out and you got to get through it some way somehow <laughs> you better figure it out it's a career yeah Exactly. And it's what I love to do. I've always loved, because before I came back on the street, I was inside for two years, which was a great opportunity, and I really enjoyed that as well. But I missed the patient care. Mm-hmm. You know, I love being out on an ambulance. I love it. I love it. That's why I got into EMS in the first place. So I said, you know, what better way to come back than to come back as a rescue medic? I might as well just go for go it. for it. <laughs> just do it. So... I'm really happy that worked out. <laughs> 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 I'm really be- happy to be back on the street.
1: Tell us what's different about being a rescue paramedic than being a paramedic responding to nine one
2: one calls. Your truck is different right. than everybody else's. It's mm-hmm. bigger. Right. You have more equipment. A lot more equipment. A lot more equipment than everybody else. So you got to be responsible for the, all that. So what type of equipment is that? The glidescope, the little the, monitor. Yes. The MP two. Event. vent. The vent. And what are they used for? The MP2 is a sort of a scaled down monitor. Mm-hmm. It does everything except defibrillation.
1: Which in trauma, what are the odds Correct. that Correct. you
2: What you need it for is 3 time, leads, mm-hmm. 12 lead EKGs, right. and uh, capnography. Mm-hmm. So it does all this. Yes. So that we have to make sure the batteries are always,
3: you know, you always have batteries ready that are charged. Right. And operational, right. your glide scope is in working order because in these environments, your patient might not be easily accessible, or their airway might not be.
1: These environments would be like a confined space yes. situation. Yes, right? some place where we trapped. The patient in. is trapped, mm-hmm. and you're going to go in and treat that patient until the extrication is complete. Right. Somebody who's not a rescue paramedic is not gonna be sent into that environment.
2: And the most common jobs that we have are train jobs. Under? So he's under a train, uh, still alive.
1: Right. And so now you, once the power is turned off. Correct. Mm-hmm. You go down under that train.
2: With the firefighters.
1: With the firefighters. And now you're going to provide advanced life support treatment Correct. to the patient until they're removed from that environment. And yes. typically that involves airbags under the train mm-hmm. to lift the train off the patient. So your job then is to provide the care that's gonna prevent them from rapidly deteriorating yes, once that obstruction is relieved. Right. And that's what separates rescue yes. from yeah. Just the everyday emergencies that we respond to,? Mm-hmm. right? I, we may be in a confined space of a bathroom right. when we're treating a patient. Which is uncomfortable. We deal There's a big difference between being in t- tight space of a bathroom right. and having four of us and a patient in yeah. that space, compared to being under rubble yes. or under a train. and I can see why you would have to meet certain standards in the training. To demonstrate that you're not going to Crack fail, on the pressure. yes, onto, right in real life. Right,
3: this is not a game. You know, you have to know your limits.
2: You have to. And if you have those, those limits, you, you you shouldn't be on this job. Right. You shouldn't be doing that job.
1: Right, and just because you can't be a rescue paramedic doesn't mean you can't be a paramedic. Oh, absolutely. Right. 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 absolutely. there's different types of pressure, and it's different types of physical uh, requirements. Yes.
3: I don't think there's anybody who ever went into a rescue program who was like, "I got this." I have no fears. <laughs> I can totally do everything and anything. I mean, God bless. <laughs> but no, I was definitely nervous about heights to go in. I said, "Okay, this is going to be a challenge," but you talk yourself through it. Just you know, you make a decision to not freak out, and you just get through. I could do this. All right. This is not so bad. And then the more you do it, the more you realize, okay. So I would say even if you have this, these fears, don't let them dictate your decisions. Just don't let them control you or stop you from doing something that you're interested in, because mm-hmm. it's not, it's not going to stop you. You're the only one that's going to stop you, and don't let that fear be limiting.
1: Just for our listeners, you know, uh, the EMS population for women fluctuates between 25 and 30 percent. That's modern day EMS. When I started, I think it was about 10 percent. I was the only woman on my tour when I started. So I'm sure that your experience is similar, right? So when you started the job, there were probably a little bit fewer women than there are now?
2: Yeah, we were not many.
1: What was your experience then as a woman compared to your experience now as a woman, particularly in the rescue?
2: Physically, uh, I don't have to say anything. Because I have muscles. Right. Well,
1: you're a muscle builder.
2: If I'm wearing gear, I get treated differently.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Then, when I take off my jacket and I'm wearing short sleeves, it's a complete change in the attitude, in the way they treat me now. That's it's interesting. It's, it's weird the way it sounds, but it's true. That's interesting. Very.
1: <laughs> but I, I would imagine by now they most of them know you. That is true. That is true. I mean, uh, I teach
2: and I've been training with these guys for a very long time, too. So it's different now.
1: Has that been your experience?
2: I can't say that I've ever felt
3: so enraged by, you know, somebody right, treating right, right, me right. in a certain way. It's never been like that. But you could tell. You feel it. You could feel it. Yeah. I feel like, but that it pretty much could be said about anybody. You know, you always have this sort of, you're always sizing somebody up.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah, waiting for somebody to prove. Yes. That they can
3: really do it. Can I trust
2: you? Can I put my faith in you?
3: Mm -hmm. Do you have my back?
2: It happened to me in a fire. I got a medal for this. I got a medal in 2016 for this fire. It was uh, a high-rise fire in Queens. I was working with uh, Lieutenant Schultz at the time. He's Captain Schultz now. And uh, we were trapped in the elevator with a patient in cardiac arrest, two Mm -hmm. firefighters, Schultz and I. And, uh, of course, I was wearing all my gear. We're doing CPR on this woman for a very long time. Now one of the firefighters wants to go through the latch Mm -hmm. because they know we're trapped and there's no way the elevator is going anywhere. So he opens the latch and he grabs his pole and he looks at me up and down and he gives it to Schultz. Mm. So Schultz made a joke out of this for a very long time. (laughs) That's when I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And I grabbed the pole from him Mm -hmm. and I said, what do you need? Do you want me to do this? I'll do this all day long. Right. He was like.
1: <laughs> Were your arms bigger than his? Yeah, <laughs>
2: probably. Yeah. He wasn't even a big guy. <laughs> yeah. But then I showed him. And then he apologized later when we got I out of the sure. elevator. <laughs> yeah. You shut him up real good. Yeah. <laughs> and Scholl said something to him, too. I say you don't know who you're talking to. Yeah. This girl is strong as hell. Yeah.
1: Right. I think as time goes by, obviously that hasn't happened to you. Since then, (laughs) listen I've had these experiences too and they certainly are lesser as the years go by. True. Certainly our own EMS partners are the first to step up and defend us, Mm -hmm. right, our male partners because they know what we can do, right, because we're working side by side. In my early days, you know, I had experiences even with some EMS members who uh, you had to prove yourself differently, you know? Everybody has to prove themselves when they're brand new in a position, right? It doesn't matter gender. And it doesn't matter the job, right? Everybody Mm -hmm. has to prove themselves. There's an expectation of, you need to show me you can do it. I'm personally, I don't wanna say satisfied, but I'm, I'm certainly at ease with the fact that it does get better as time goes by. And there is a difference for me when I started compared to now. And to me, that's progress. Yes, and I think that I would always say to people that we are a microcosm of society and and I find for myself I have more interactions with society outside of the job outside of the first responder world Who is more concerned about me my gender than? the people within mm-hmm. the job. You have patients who look at you and say, oh, you are going to carry me? Let
3: me help Let stop. me help, right, a bystander, okay. Please, right, who could probably
1: get us hurt because they oh don't know gosh, what they're doing. They mean well. They do. But if you don't have the training, a lot of that lifting is about technique. It's not about brute strength. So what keeps you going? What keeps you saying, this is what I want to do?
2: This is me. This is me in the gym. This is me at home. This is me at work. I'm the same person. I do everything in my house. I can carry anything, anywhere, mm-hmm. in the gym, in my house, at work. So it's the same person. Mm. I'm not trying to prove myself because I know I am strong mm-hmm. and I am better than a lot of people. And when it comes to, <laughs> you know, lifting and, yeah. you know, proper technique and, you know, doing, doing, t- I actually am stronger than some of my partners.
1: Absolutely, oh, I'm sure.
2: Male partners. Absolutely. No, I, I don't doubt that. And I prove it every day. But that's me that's just the way I am in the gym at home and at work. Yeah. I was actually just going to say that too. So I think it's who you are
3: as a person. Correct. And you, you just know, bring your with or you, whatever yes, you go. Yes, you just you say I could do that. I could do it. I'm going to try. And you do it. And when you're in it, there's no room to fail. There's it's not just it's not acceptable. I mean, you know you can. You know, right? Cuz you it's, know you can. You're capable. And You know, okay, it might be uncomfortable and difficult, but you push through just like any other obstacle that you face in your life. You know, I'm sure, you know, three, you know, this training was three weeks, but as a human being, you've gone through more, you know, challenging situations in life outside and for longer amounts of time, you know, and you say, if I could do that, I could do this. And it just builds on your self-confidence. And I don't know, I feel like the older I get, the more confident I am in myself in my capabilities, it becomes more solidified. I guess that's like the best way for me to say it, you know, and you just bring it with you wherever. Like you said, Sylvana, at work, at home, I'm the same person. Same person. You know, I will try and do my best everywhere in every aspect of my life. I will bring I will bring my best.
1: Sylvana, we'll start with you. If you were talking to the new class today, right? They're just entering, they're just sworn in, maybe they're just graduating and they're getting ready to go out into the field, what would you tell them about potential for their future and the opportunities that that are available to them
2: i think i've done it all i got to where i wanted to be i never wanted to be a boss nothing against bosses of course but i always wanted to be on the streets Mm -hmm. and i got my rescue medic i'm a user medic I accomplished everything pretty much in what I wanted to do. Like I said, I never wanted to be a boss. I don't have kids. And once you become a boss, you have about 80 or 90 of them. I didn't want that.
1: I totally agree with that. <laughs> didn't s- want that. I totally agree with that. In fact, I'll tell you, some, <laughs> I, I frequently would tell people if I wanted children, I'd have my own.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I don't have kids for a reason.
1: So you would t- tell people that there's another path.
2: Even after 25 years, I still like my job. Yeah. And Absolutely. I've done all of them on the street.
1: There aren't very many people who can say that they've spent their entire career on an ambulance. Right. It's not a common scenario. Right.
2: And love to do it, too. And still love it. And still treat everybody with respect. Mm-hmm. Do your job correctly.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Know your protocols. Know your job. Your job is to save lives. Yep. That's that's awesome. Right, right. How many people can say that? Mm-hmm. And to this date... I still, after my 25 years on the streets, I still haven't seen it all. Absolutely. Agreed.
1: Agreed. And the more time
2: you have, the more you realize. And yeah. then when you see something new, you're like, oh, my God. Right. Right. It took me all these years to see this. Never Crazy. a boring moment. Never. When you think you're bored, something happens that is spice up your job again. Yep. I agree that word
3: you. is very <laughs> yeah
2: because it's it's just like it doesn't have to be like tragic it's just funny stuff that right. happens yes. in our jobs yes and you're like oh my god i never seen that before yes. and i don't think i will ever, ever again. again
1: that's right that's right and this you know we are talking about a system where we handle more than 1.3 million emergencies in a calendar year that's a lot of call volume and if we in that type of call volume can admit we haven't seen it all Um, It just shows you how many different ways a human being can get in trouble.
2: (laughs) But you can make a career out of this. We study more than anybody else. We're always on refreshers. We're always on uh, continuing medical education. We're always learning something. My satisfaction is that I did what I wanted. Rescue medic, user medic. I got deployed for the first time. I was in the 2017 calendar. I got medals. I've been doing stuff that is totally cool and when I retire or at the end of this year I'm gonna be satisfied with what I did with my career.
1: So you would encourage them if they're not interested in becoming an officer or or climbing the ranks that there's this other path they can take and it would be tremendously satisfying for 25 years.
2: For 25
1: years. And Krista, what would you say to somebody? How would you encourage them? Well I
3: would say to Never say no, mm. and don't let comfort, you know, like kind of stagnate you. Yeah, stop you from progress. Yes. Yeah, You got to always keep pushing forward. Push push yourself. I tell all BLS, try. Take the test for a medic. Try. If you don't take every opportunity that's offered to you, you don't want to turn around and say, oh, 10 years later, I should have done that. I wish I would have done that.
1: There are personal choices, then, about if I go in this direction and I have to make these additional sacrifices, will the people at home be able to handle that, right, which probably is a good reason to encourage the younger women, right, before they take on these roles of being a wife, of being a mother. a mother. Before you take on those roles, you should consider expanding your responsibilities in your career because it won't be as much of a trade-off right. or a sacrifice.
2: Right. I enjoy absolutely. everything that I've done. Mm-hmm. I am very satisfied with my career and the way I'm living and I'm looking forward to retirement, absolutely.
1: You want to share yeah. with us what's next?
2: Yeah. I just want to work probably with animals. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Maybe become a tourist guide.
1: Oh, that's interesting yeah, for New yeah. y- in New York City? Yes.
2: Oh. I speak three languages. Very cool. They really, really look for that. So, you need a certification for that. So, I got to go back to school. <laughs> 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 always growing, right? Always always studying. You yeah. got to study. You need a certification for that, but I think that's that's what I want to do. It's part-time. That's it's awesome. fun. Yeah. And um and yeah. I'm looking forward to that. That's great, fabulous. That so well. Yeah, thank you. We're I to take one of your tours.
1: Absolutely, ladies. I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you, for thank you us. for having it was a pleasure. us. Pleasure. Thanks for sharing your insight about becoming a rescue paramedic. Hopefully, we'll get more women hearing this podcast to apply and uh, train. Definitely. Yes. Absolutely. You can do it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the FDNY Pro Podcast. I'm Chief of Staff Elizabeth Cassio. For more training and information from our department's subject matter experts, go to fdnypro.org.
0: FDNY Pro is online at fdnypro.org. Subscribe today and get inside access to the FDNY. Learn more about our publications, professional conferences, and other tools for first responders. Train with New York's Bravest. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And when seconds count, the men and the women of the FDNY are there for us, to protect us and keep us safe when the unthinkable happens. No matter the challenge, no matter the danger, our firefighters and EMTs serve with honor, dedication, and bravery. New York's bravest are there for us. Let's be there for them. Your support of the FDNY Foundation ensures that the world's best fire department has the world's best training, equipment, and education. Go to FDNYfoundation.org and help New York's bravest save a life today.